Hey, Josh Felber here. Just like you, I'm the typical entrepreneur, driving hard, type A, going after it, trying to build my business, trying to help and uh, grow and help manage my family and everything as well. And sometimes we forget to take care of ourselves. And one of the biggest things is understanding mindfulness and how mindfulness can help increase your success of your business, increase the success of your family and everything else. So take that time out for yourself. So I'm excited for you to watch today's episode of Making Bank. You are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. Super excited for today's guest, Dr. Eric Hosopel, Allison Maslin, Fred Joyle, Coot Blackson, Robert Overvec, Tony Bradshaw, Shaheen Shan. You guys have like a process or part of what you teach is uh, mindful leadership. Yes. I guess, can you kind of go into that a little bit and what yeah. that looks like? Because obviously as CEOs, we want to always try to be the best leader possible, whether we have a small team, a large team, or even to our families. Um, so I guess if you and, can break and that the, down. And the bit. CEO is so critical to a company. It's like, if you want the company to be mindful, it can't be without the CEO, you know, being mindful and endorsing it. I've had a lot of people come through and they go back to their company and they really don't get buy-in and it's so hard to do it on an island. So I'm, I'm so pleased to be on your show and be listening to this. So the, the process we have is to first just start some mindfulness, start slow, few minutes, building up to five minutes, you know, of mindfulness and reading some good books. Because what we want to do is kind of clear out the clutter mm. and then plant some seeds of what we do want. Because most everything is put in us. We have some 6,000 thoughts a day. Most everything that's put in us, those thoughts come up kind of randomly. Mine aren't all positive. I don't know about yours, Josh, but I have a lot of thoughts that, you know, it's a good thing I don't act on them. So we try to clear those out and then try to plant some seeds of, you know, gratitude and some better thoughts and visioning and what we really want for our life. Then we go into discovery mode of just, you know, feeling your presence, feeling out who you really are, you know, feeling your consciousness. Because we, we get so, consciousness and presence is hard to feel when you have so much external stimulation. Just mm -hmm. vision yeah. and all the lights and everything that we have just grabs it. So we have, or we're just kind of focused out and we haven't really, we kind of lost our own sense of feeling of, of that. So we try to reestablish that. And that's a several month process that we try to do. And I don't think it's done then. It's a very much of a process that, that happens. And then we go into a visioning process of, okay, we, we know where you've been headed, but what do you really want? Is it really three houses, five cars, you know, something in the Alps? Or what would what is it really that you want? Because society tells us it's just produce and consume. And right. I I'm an economist. I love all of it. I mean, and I, you know, I got three houses myself. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with any of it. It's just it's not a purpose of life. You know, if if it can make your life better, great. But if you feel that's your purpose, then I think it's misguided. And most people, when they get there and they get those things, what they want is just more of it. The bigger house, the, the second country club, the that's been my experience. So sure. clear that out and find out what really makes a difference for you. For me, it's been helping other people. It's just been 
if I can help somebody else, I, I get so much more juice out of that than I do another vacation. You know, it's just when I see someone else really find their self and their purpose and start helping a nonprofit or helping somebody else, it's just really gratifying. So find your own vision. And then we go into a process of narrowing it down. You know, visions usually tend to be, end up pretty big, but we can't act on all of them. So we narrow it down to a next year and then one thing. You know, what's the one thing that you want to focus on? And we find that when you get that one thing, if it's your health, if it's your profession, your relationship, whatever, it kind of brings everything else up with it. And then when you get that thing, then you can turn and take another one that's focused on. But it kind of pulls everything. You kind of focus on, on uh, one or two objectives and go to work on trying to change your life, you know, in, in a meaningful way to make almost everything you do with intention rather than random and accidental which I feel like most of us just following our calendar around and our emails around are <clears throat> just being pulled like on a chain. Right. So taking control of that to the extent you can. We all have some of it that's unavoidable, you know, but, but for CEOs, I say, ask yourself one major question. What can only I do? You know, do and dump and delegate everything else and just focus on being there and being present with people and, you know, of course, you have this, some things you like to do and some things you have to do, do them. But mostly you can't be doing and being there for people at the same time. You can't be constantly busy and be the person people come to with their problems or being their motivation or setting strategy and those kind of things. So I think CEOs tend, generally do too much and need to offload a bunch of things so that they can be present and be there and be the person that someone will walk in their office and talk to, which is not our typical. We're typically so busy. The calendars are just sure. loaded. Someone else is filling out our appointments. We just go, you know, it's, it's intention. How do you kind of maintain or what successful things have you done now um, as you continue to grow your businesses and, you know, having nine different companies at one point and uh, what do you do for yourself to keep yourself sane and successful and happy and spending time with the family. Yeah. I mean, I've learned the hard way over the years in, in, you know, experiencing burnout and really getting to that point where you start asking yourself like, okay, you know, is this how I want to live my life? And so, um, you know, in really understanding how to build a team managed company what happens is that you start to free yourself from the day-to-day -day of the business. And it, and it can happen pretty fast because most of our entrenchment in the business is really us. Like if I looked at a CEO's calendar, I could probably take them off of half of what they're doing during the week. And what could you do with that time? So about five years ago, I started taking a week off every single month within my company. And I realized that the business started growing even faster because I wasn't there. They had to make their own decisions. Um, now I'm off almost two weeks a month. And uh, my husband and I bought a um, property in Mexico. So we're living there half the time now. And, you know, and the interesting thing is, is that I'm more energized about the business than ever. I become more inspired because I have room to think. Mm. You know, when when right. you're in the day to day, there's no there's no breakthrough happening when you're 
checking off your to-do list. <laughs> you know, it's not. But no. when you're in a place where you you feel really at, at ease and inspired, you know, you can't help it being that entrepreneur. The ideas come and, you know, massive breakthroughs for our company happen for me when I'm away and I become, I, I can get the download for the solution that we need to fix some of the minutia challenges that are happening within the company. So extricating you as a CEO, having a company that's really able to run without you, which is what you want anyway, because there's a point that you're going to sell your company or pass it along. And if it's dependent on you, it's not worth much. True. Yeah. So it's really critical that you're, that you have this independence from your company. It's so, um, yeah. No, that's, that's great. It's funny. Back. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because whenever we're, we have a place in Florida too. So whenever we're down there for two or three weeks at a time, the kids are always like, mom, the business is always doing way better when we're not there. Maybe we should just stay down here more often. <laughs> well, it's true. It's true. And look, I love uh, my business, Pinnacle Global Network. I love our team. We have amazing clients and, you know, I don't plan on going anywhere. I'm, I'm you know, really committed to, to this. This is a legacy business for me, and I'm passionate about it. But I'm no good to anyone. If I'm in there and micromanaging, I actually make it worse because they've got it handled now. They've got it dialed in. And I come in and start going, well, did so-and-so do this? Or, we, you know, and they start going in another direction. And then, you know, it, it's just like, Allison please stay in your lane. Like that's, that's what they say to me now, you know, you, you got to check yourself sometimes, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's excellent. What, um, so obviously you said you were, you know, a shy person, kind of introvert and everything. What, what were those kind of those steps that you put together for somebody to kind of break out of that and, and, and you know, ha create this bold superpower? Well, you know, and it's starting a business will do that because we had to go door to door. We had to beat the streets to find the first hundred dentists. We, this wasn't like a time when you could just, oh, I'm going to run some Facebook ads and get, get and do a bunch <laughs> yeah. of B2B advertising and get it. It's like this was unheard of what we were doing. So we had, I'm going around with this little cassette player playing the radio spots to these dentists saying, these are the radio spots we're going to run. We'll give you all the patients in your territory that call from this. And it's only a thousand dollars a month, thousand dollars a month. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and because they had just started to advertise at the time. Right. Um, and so I, I had to endure, you know, we, we talked to, I don't know, maybe to get our first 20, we probably talked to five or 600 dentists mm. um, at, at, who just told us, you're ruining the profession with what you're doing. This is terrible. This will never work, whatever. Get off my, get, get out of my office. Um, and you develop a thick skin because you got to get the guys. You got you to gotta get the customers. And, and you start to realize it's like, I don't need everybody. I just need these 20 guys to get started. And then you just, you realize that every, everything worth doing has risk associated with it, which means it has failure associated with it. If you're trying to never fail, that will be your greatest failure. And so when you, when you 
put yourself in an uncomfortable position. When you act boldly without the confidence, it builds your confidence. Mm. That that's really the mystery that that I un unraveled is that wow I don't have to be confident I just have to be bold and I just have to commit to acting, and the confidence will come from su the successful boldness or even from trying and failing. Bold people are really comfortable with trying and failing because to them it's just a step up. It feels way better than not trying. Whereas other people like, no, the safest thing is to not try. I feel really safe and comfortable uh, and I'm getting nowhere, uh, right. but I'm really safe and comfortable. And then all of a sudden the bottom drops out of some part of your life. Your wife leaves you or your business shuts down or you're, you know, the guy next to you gets the promotion because he's willing to promote himself. And so just knowing that, that those steps that you take that are uncomfortable, that, that you're using comfort to restore your energy so you can go be uncomfortable again, is how you grow. It's just like building a muscle. If you're, you know, if you're going to, you, you, the most important thing to do it, it, when you're doing reps is the last two reps, right? Mm. Is the ones where you fail, right? Because you did 12 and you can't do 13. Now that's, that's how you know you did enough is you're aiming for failure. So start to think about that in your, in your life as well, as if, you're, if you strain yourself to aim for survivable failure, you'll get stronger, you'll get smarter, you'll get more successful. Part of surrender is the willingness to allow life to lead you, to allow life to guide you. So I'm saying, you don't have, the mind is always trying to know what everything means. You know, we're always trying to figure out the future. We're trying to figure out what's going to happen. We're trying, uh, last year, as a humanity, we were thrown into a global massive surrender seminar. I mean, it was a, it was a seminar of like, nobody knows what the hell is going to happen. <laughs> do we go out? Do we not go out? Do I travel? I don't know. Do, do we make plans? Don't make plans. Do, do we, do we, nobody knows what the hell, how do we even make plans? This is like an ultimate surrender seminar. And so I think part of surrender is the willingness to allow ourselves, rather trying to just project ourselves into the future, to allow ourselves to be guided. What would happen if you just allowed yourself to show up, give 100% and allowed life to lead you, allowed life to guide you? There is, and, and, and let's take a look at this, Josh, for a moment. Sure. Life has been around for billions of years. Billions, with a B, 13, 14 billion years. You and I have been around 30, 40, 50, <laughs> right. 60, 70. Okay, maybe someone's listening to this and they're 92 years old. Life has been around billions of years. Every day, the sun comes out. Hmm. Is, I don't know about you, Josh. Has there ever been a day where you've come out and you looked up at, at 9 a.m. in the sky and it was pitch black? I mean, maybe unless you're in like Scandinavia somewhere, but you know, in the U.S., Alaska, but has there ever, I've never come out and looked at the sky at 10 a.m. in the morning. It was pitch black and the sun just said, I got a text message from, from the universe. Oh, the, sorry. The sun is asleep. If the sun just forgot to come up today, I'm sorry. Never happens every day. Every day of my entire existence, the sun 
rises. Every day of my existence, there is oxygen in the air to breathe. Every day, the moon comes up. Every single day, there's an intelligence that is functioning the sun, functioning the stars, functioning the moon, functioning all of existence, living and breathing seven, eight billion people. There is an intelligence. Call it whatever you want. I don't care. God, infinite, blah, 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 consciousness, life force, energy. I don't care what label you put on it. It doesn't matter. But there is something that when you eat a piece of fish or a kale or a veggie burger or you, you, you ingest it, there is an intelligence that knows how to take that nutrition and turn it into your body. There is an intelligence that knows if you cut your finger, how to, if you keep it clean, how to bring your healing to your finger. You don't have to be a good person. You don't have to chant and meditate. You don't have to believe anything. Your body knows how to heal itself. There is an intelligence inside of us how is it that we've lost touch with that intelligence? Mm. That we've become so afraid. We've become so afraid and we, and we live our life out of tune with nature. As a humanity, you know, I joke that we have learned to trust more in our GPS system <laughs> and Siri than life. <laughs> Siri says, turn left. Okay, I turn left. Turn right. Okay, turn right. No question. Right. But we feel a calling in our soul, right? Launch that business. Well, you know, I don't know. So make, do that. I don't know if I'm... We, we, we question life. We question ourselves. We question the universe. But we don't question Siri. Mm. We don't question our GPS system. So I think surrender is, 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 is returning back to the flow. Returning back to ourselves and beginning to allow life to lead us. There's an I believe there is an intelligence of life that is functioning existence. That if we allow it to guide us, start, we start becoming still. We start listening to that voice inside. Not our mind, that the deeper voice inside. And we start following that. That's when I think... We are guided in ways that we cannot imagine. And so this is part of surrender. I guess tell us a little bit about what, I mean, what is the adaptable mindset? Yeah. Well, the adaptable mindset, in my view, is the, the ability to always find fresh perspectives, to have openness to new ideas, to be aware of what is happening in the world and to sort of know your place and know how to, how to flow. Uh, what we do is we help people unravel their own thinking patterns, their own fixed mindset, their own default programs. You know, we, we, you know, we, that type of wiring, we free up again. We create space in minds of people. And then in organizations, how we do that is by um, helping them connect actually to like their intrinsic motivation, uh, to what energizes them to create that proper foundation. And then we look for what are cool things in the world uh, when it comes to technology, art, philosophy, doesn't really matter, that we can integrate in our business that can support us, that can empower us to find new perspectives or to move forward. That's sort of the kind of things that we do in a nutshell. And so all the different companies, I mean, you've worked with big and small startups, you know, large companies. What are kind of the similar things that you're seeing across the board? You know, uh, that's one the reason you need to really get in there and start working with these people. What are some of those challenges that they're seeing? Yeah, so one of the challenges, one of the most predominant ones was um, uh, too much stress, uh, fear of failure, um, busyness. Every, everyone is always busy. 
Right. And then we are digitizing the business and we're working in the hygiene factors and, you know, people are just chugging away at user stories and don't really have the space to come up with a vision for the future, come up with a vision of your own, uh, to use the new technologies which are out there and, and integrate them in your, in your business so you can get like two, three, four years ahead. So people are struggling to get through the day and focus more on like the incremental things while your competition might not be focusing on that but might be taking the larger steps so um yeah these are a few things and are you are we seeing that more now over the last 10 years than we used to i have a feeling i want to say yes um so the more people i speak to even at um, executive level in in these large organizations people have imposter syndrome Mm. fear of failure don't know how to cut up a large idea into smaller chunks and don't really have developed the skills and ability to deal with that uncertainty that it brings they connect their identity too much to with their work and I, i was started to develop this theory that and we're always busy. We're always in meetings, so we don't have the mental space to right. Everyone always jumps from meeting to meeting, especially in my world. Right. Um, so very few people have the the mental space to process, to subconsciously process. We mirror ourselves to an out outside world where we mirror us ourselves to the best of the best. And then when you start, it's not at that same level. So then. You know, you know, if you mirror yourself to uh, Bezos, uh, Musk, or whatever, or or the best basketball players, or whatever you see online, and when you start and you don't perform on that level, often you see that people immediately, or often, start to crumble already, or don't start at all because they have the feeling that they can't compete. But it is uh, not so much a very fruitful and productive mindset. You know, it's just about starting experimenting, failing, picking yourself up again, getting the mental space, um, working on your mindset, working on your uh, your body as well, which influences the mind. It's about more of this holistic approach to um, yeah, create the right environment for you to flourish. And I mean, somebody can do this, whether it's just a single person, they own their own business. Obviously, then they're doing everything. So they got a lot more stress and a lot more, mm-hmm. you know, limited brain space um, to p- companies that have thousands and thousands of employees. What is kind of the first steps then going in and, you know, how do you develop that adaptable mindset? Yeah. So one uh, one small hack that you can, uh, can start doing today or tomorrow is... Um, because you know, most people go through life and they, they watch their television, they watch their Instagram. Like mm. in the US, people watch uh, have mobile phone consumption of four hours and 20 minutes on average. Wow. That's pretty hefty, right? Yeah. Um, most of the stuff is quite superficial and, and it's not, not so profound. Um, it is not necessarily made to expand your mind. Uh, so how can you get adaptability in a world that is constantly just distracting you with superficial things that give you this instant gratification? So do a little bit less of that and do more of the things that have always pushed humanity forward. And that can be through art, through nature, through philosophy, through whatever rows your boat, right? Whatever you naturally resonate towards and integrate more of that into your life because that is also what we see with top performers. 
Uh, we see that with uh, Elon Musk, you know, he took a lot of learnings from gaming. You know, if you have like just a different perspective on life, then you're able to learn from everything. Or the, the CEO from Hire, he runs a 90,000 uh, people organization wow. in China. And yeah, it's, pr- it's pretty intense. Um, but he looked at a rainforest and, and saw, hey, in a rainforest, you don't tell a tree what to do. You know, everything just grows organically and it's like this, this ecosystem. So he took inspiration from nature and he modeled his organization to be in a similar fashion, to be decentralized, autonomous. Uh, you see that all of the bright minds, they take inspiration from the world and are able to bring it back into, into their field. And in that way, you know, your life becomes more playful, becomes more fluid and just more fun as well. And what we also see is that often people don't really take care of their, their mental space or their, their exercising or those kind of things. Like, I'm not going to say that everyone should meditate. Please, if it's not for you, don't do it. But at least go for like a daily walk. At least start your day without your phone or at least exercise like four days a week as this is your foundation for, for this clarity, for these new insights. And it also contributes to more cognitive flexibility. It's, it's not that I made this up. This is just research. <laughs> right. And it's also <laughs> what we get back from, from people that we work with. So it's about finding that formula that works for you. And it's, it's, it sounds almost paradoxical, but by creating like uh, such a structure, you will be able to get more fluidity. A structure of proper input, taking care of your mind, taking care of your body. That is sort of like the, the holistic approach that we take which empowers you to get adaptability. Moving kind of from that a scar- scarcity mindset to abundance mindset. I mean, what were some of those key things that helped you get through that? Because a lot of people that have that, you know, that's all they have is that, that scarcity mindset. They're, oh man, you know, I'm living paycheck. I, you know, I'm trying to adjust my finances and things like that. But, you know, money's going out the door. And I, I don't have anything left over, you know, to do that. And and they're stuck in that scarcity mindset. What were some of the things that helped you get make that switch? Yeah, I think I'm a little bit of an odd bird, so I don't know that I'm the best example because uh or some what of your I clients. mean by that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I mean by that is I grew up as a loner. I mean, I didn't have a lot of attachments to people. So by contrast, I didn't have a lot of people dragging me down. Like my, my situation was really built by me. So my closest relationships Mm -hmm. were my parents and they say that you're an average of the five people you spend the most time with. Right. So my parents were the people I spent the most time with. My parents were broke. Therefore I was broke. Um, I was doing the same thing. So for me, I didn't have to break free from a lot of relationships that were dragging me down. I was already independent. And I think that's a big thing. Um, in contrast, today as I teach clients, I teach you need to get attached to people that are going in the direction you need to go so or you want to go. So if you want to be a multimillionaire, you need to find multimillionaires to hang out with. You need to find mentors. You need to get around people that are already in there. And what happens is you can get caught in that jet stream. Right. Mm. So is there blazing a trail behind you? Just like, you know, let's use NASCAR, right? NASCAR is a great example. You got drafting. You're going to draft the lead car. The lead car is doing all the hard work. You're following in behind him. You're, it's going to be a little bit easier for you. Um, and that's a different mindset than being independent, trying to figure it out on your own. 
Um, when I was going through the process, you know, the resources today are much better than they were back then, you know, cause we're talking 25 years ago. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I had books and magazines today. You don't even have, you can go to the toilet and learn how to be a millionaire, right? Right on your just phone. To- <laughs> yeah. Just sit on the toilet and for a while and, 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 uh, pop a few YouTubes off. And the next thing you know, you're, you know, you're trading crypto or something. Right. Um, so today it's a lot easier, but you still need to get around those people that are moving in that direction. And, you know, I've been pretty blessed, you know, as I've started this, you know, doing the millionaire choice thing in the last, you know, four or five years uh, to ke- catch up with some guys that are just amazing young guys. They're like 31 years old, uh, a guy named Taylor Welch, who I just met, uh, met him at a, a Chipotle uh, community table. You know, I don't know if you go to Chipotle, but you got this community table. You just sit down with strangers, start eating, and you start, you know, you're not supposed to, but I listen in on conversations sometimes. And, and I like meet these interesting people. And uh, he was a 22 year old guy with a net worth of 20 bucks. 22 years old, net worth of 20 bucks. 21, his net worth is over $50 million at 31. I'm sorry, 31. So wow. over a little over nine years. Yeah, he's, he went from a $20 net worth to a 31. He's got a, he's got a bit more money than I've got. So he would be one of those types of people. I'm like, you know what? In this next version of me, I want to catch his jet stream. I want right. to get around him. I want to hang out with him. And I think that's the big thing is, you know, you got to develop a, a millionaire mindset or a, a get money smart. You know, I, I teach people. You know, you go through high school, right? You start in kindergarten or preschool. You go through 12 years of school. Then you go on to, you know, if you go to college, you get another four years. You might get a master's degree. It's another year, year and a half. Then you get a doctorate degree. Some people get those, right? And, uh, but where in there did you really learn to learn about money? Like, when did you stop and take time to do that? And I think, you know, today, you know, financial literacy, right? They go, oh, you got to have financial literacy class. And what do they do? Teach you a semester? They give you one semester and say, hey, you know, there it is. Money is the the one thing out of everything that we learn in college or high school or in, you know middle school. You should be learning about it the entire time. Like throw some of those other classes out and teach about money. So you as as you get older and start learning about money, you need to realize it's a lifelong learning journey. Like there is so much to learn about. And, and I think that's one of the things that helped me was I shifted into a learning mindset. I already had a learning mindset from, you know, being young, but also going off to college. And so I, as I started learning about money at 25, it's like you got this perpetual motion where you're like, hey, just read more, learn more, read more, learn more. The beautiful thing is you don't have to start out by knowing everything. You just have to know enough to get going in the right direction. And then keep your, that starts to build your momentum and then you can keep building over time. Yeah. And, you know, with that, and you kind of mentioned learning mindset and, you know, teaching, you know, as kids, if, you know, we had different stuff, you know, fortunately I had an investment class and some types of entrepreneurial classes in our school. So that was super cool. So that helped kind of get me on that, that jump start when I was like 13. Guys, I hope you guys are really taking, taking notes. If not, pause this, go back, watch it again, listen to this again. We've, we went into a lot of different areas, but there were so many hidden nuggets of information that are there that you can take and apply to your business, take and apply to your your personal life. And, you know, if you're in that position, you're working that side hustle and, and you're, you're trying to grow it and you're ready to, you know, tell your boss to stick it and just, you know, and move forward. Now might be that time after listening to this show. So, you know, gives you, gives you that opportunity, that extra kick in the butt that you need to, you know, take to that next level. So again, take those notes, pay attention. But one last thing you're like, uh, you're like thinking like, Oh, Josh, I hope you were going to ask me this or one, maybe one last thing you're like, Oh, I really want to share this before we wrap up here. Um, 
that you want to leave our audience with? Go ahead. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to one of my favorite quotes. I think it's Henry Ford. And that's that whether you think you can or you can't, you are right. Yeah. And I believe that fully. I mean, when people come to yep. me oftentimes and they're like, man, I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other thing. I'm like, you're right. Or they'll come to me and be like, I'm going to do this amazing thing. I'm like, you're right. Who am I to judge what you're going to do? So there are qualities that we can build within ourselves that I feel always can improve our chances of success. People say, man, you got fucking lucky. And I remember for years after Herbal Ecstasy, I thought, man, billion dollars in revenue, all this fame, all this wealth. I just got lucky. I was at the right place at the right time. And then I slapped myself in the face one way or another. And I, I think bullshit. I made my own success. We notice the 15 seconds that it takes to do a uh, suture in someone's heart, but we don't realize the 25 plus years of experience that surgeon had to know how to cut it. So it only takes 15 seconds or 15 minutes or however long that takes. Right. Obviously, I don't know anything about heart surgery, as you can tell. I'm sophistication of a chimpanzee when it comes to medical stuff. But my point, I think, should be should be well received that at the end of the day, it's really it really comes down to your mindset and your unwavering belief in yourself, especially, especially when other people don't believe in you. Agreed. Yeah. No, that, so, so true. Again, thank you for coming, making bank and honored to have you on the show today. I just really appreciate your time and uh, insight. I appreciate you too, buddy. Thank you so much. I am Josh Felber. You were watching making bank get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to making bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.